This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, joined by wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Marna and Kelly. And good morning to all our listeners. Thanks for joining us. June 14th is Flag Day in the United States. It commemorates the adoption of the flag of the United States on June 14, 1777, by resolution of the Second Continental Congress. Today, Flag Day is celebrated as a way to preserve the traditions, history, pride, and respect for the nation's symbol. In keeping with these intentions, we're talking about flag etiquette and protocol today. The best place to start is with the U.S. Flag Code, which you can find online just by searching for it. The Flag Code is the federal law that sets forth guidelines for the appearance and display of the U.S. flag by private citizens. It gives you guidance on times and conditions for display of the flag, manners and methods of display, and buildings where such display should occur. And it's really not that long. You'll learn a lot, and you might find some surprises in there. I recommend taking a look at it for a refresher. And it's a code also, not a law, so there aren't any federal penalties for not following the code. Is that correct, Kelly? The difference between a code and a law? A code can be law uh, because it is a codification of, you know, the legislature's intent. But in the case of the flag code, there aren't any penalties. I would say it is more instructive. Okay, yeah, that's the way I'm reading it too. Okay, thanks. So I'm going to start out with a list of 10 things not to do with the U.S. flag, using as a reference the U.S. flag code and the website etiquetteschoolofamerica.com, and I'll post both links in the show notes. Number one, you yourself can't decide to fly the flag at half-mast. For example, if somebody in your family dies, the only authorities who can direct that the U.S. flag be flown at half-mast are the president and the governor of a state, territory, or possession. And they will do that for deaths of presidents and other notable people. Number two, fly the flag at night without proper lighting. It's a universal custom to display the flag only from sunrise to sunset on buildings and on stationary flagstaffs in the open. However, when a patriotic effect is desired, the flag may be displayed 24 hours a day if properly illuminated during the hours of darkness. And I remember after 9-11, when everybody had their flags out, I did put a flag on my front porch, and um, I rigged up a, a floodlight so that it could be on 24 hours a day, even during the dark. Don't display the flag if it's dark. Number three, the flag should not be displayed on days when the weather is inclement, except when an all-weather flag is displayed. So if it's raining, bring it in. Hey, Marna, can I ask a question? What is an sure. all-weather flag? I was wondering that myself. I don't know. I've, I've never seen one. I've only seen the fiber ones. Mike, Let's, do you know? Very good question. I'm Googling question. it right now. You know, I know that many flags are done out of nylon, and they tend to hold up in wet weather much better than, let's say, a cotton flag. The cotton flags tend to absorb all the water, and then they just hang limply along the pole, whereas a, a nylon flag will not absorb the water as much, and so if there is a breeze, the flag will stir. And I think that's what they mean. That being said, very few people these days fly uh, 100% cotton flags, but they're still yeah. out there. You know, like many of the ceremonial flags, for example, the ones that we have that were used by my f- that were given to my mother at the uh, funeral of my father by the Marine Corps detail that's a cotton flag and this it's the same thing for my father-in-law 
So I just Googled it and it says the term all-weather American flag refers to an ultra-durable American flag that's designed to withstand the elements. For example, nylon is the most popular flag material. It's designed for all-weather conditions. Nylon dries quickly, yeah, can be used sense. indoors or out, yeah. and is color fast. Okay, mm-hmm. good question, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Although I've noticed those nylon ones do tend to fade and fray also. So oh yeah, with enough time, I mean. <laughs> yeah, so if they do, then replace them. I was just at the cemetery for Memorial Day helping place flags on the grave markers of veterans, and I found a small old flag on a marker, and it was frayed and torn. And so I took it, and I went to find the flag people, because it had been overlooked. The flag people said, oh, there's a flag there. It doesn't need a new one. But it was old and torn, so I took it and um, found the flag people to get a new one. And one of the Navy sailors who was helping me said it really makes him mad when he sees flags being displayed that are torn and faded and ripped and old. What do you do with a flag? I always wondered about this that, you know, is old or torn or faded. Do you just put it in the garbage? Well, that's a good question. That That's number five of what you should not do. You should not throw the flag away. Dispose of it properly. American Legion posts and Boy Scout troops hold occasional ceremonies in which the flag is correctly burned and you can get in touch with them. I've also noticed that all the Ace Hardwares have a repository in the store for flags, and then the Boy Scouts and the American Legion come and get them and and burn them and properly dispose of them. So maybe that happens in your town too. Yeah, I'll have to check. Number six, embellish items with the flag image if they're for temporary use and discard, such as paper napkins or boxes. Now, I imagine we'll see a lot of those around July 4th, but according to the flag code, you're not supposed to do that. Number seven, I've actually seen this happen. Display a flag or pennant above the U.S. flag. When we lived in the Northeast, somebody had run a Red Sox pennant up the flagpole first, followed by the U.S. flag. (laughs) So the Red Sox pennant was actually above the U.S. flag, and you're not supposed to do that. I understand you're enthusiastic. They won the World Series, but... Only in Red Sox Nation. It's a sovereign That's nation. That's what I was just thinking. Is that a sovereign nation? <laughs> yeah. Only a Red Sox think, fan would do that. I think yeah, I is. understand I it, because yeah. my son's a Red Sox fan, but it says... <laughs> oh, this is interesting. No other flag or pennant should be placed above or, if on the same level, to the right of the flag of the United States except during church services conducted by naval chaplains at sea, where the church pennant may be flown above the flag during church services for the personnel of the Navy. Wow, that's a niche. Okay. The things we learn on this podcast. I know. Guys, unbelievable. Next time I'm at sea on a naval vessel going to church services, I'll feel better. Number eight, display the U.S. flag on the wrong side of the speaker's podium. Several years ago, again, when I was up in Rhode Island, I went with a friend to a presentation uh, on Wednesday nights of World War II. And the first night, I noticed that the U.S. flag was on the right of the podium as I was looking at it. And it should have been on the left in the place of honor behind the speaker as the speaker is facing out. And I pointed that out to my friend. And he said, Marna, we've got a room full of veterans here. Somebody's going to point that out to them. And sure enough, the next week it was fixed. (laughs) Let me read from the code. When displayed from a staff in a church or public auditorium, the flag of the United States of America should hold the position of superior prominence in the position of honor at the clergyman's or speaker's right as he faces the audience. Any other flag so displayed, such as a state flag, should be displayed, should be placed on the left of the clergyman or speaker or to the right of the audience. Does the other flag, like let's say it's the flag for the state of Virginia, can it be at the same height 
as the United States flag or, you know, even if it's in a separate stand, can they both be the same height? I believe so, Kelly. I think that's common practice. It's just that the yeah. United States flag needs to be on the right. Place of the speaker. Gotcha. Yeah. From, from the flag's perspective or from the speaker's perspective, yeah. And then if you're flying them on the same flagpole, obviously the United States flag has to be at the top and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, everything else would be in an inferior position. Right. Right. Okay. And in the flag code, I can't go over all of it right now, but it's all there, chapter and verse, displaying flags of uh, numerous country, various countries, and how that's done in conjunction with the U.S. flag. It's all there. That's the resource. And number nine, I see this all the time too. Display the flag wrong when hanging it on a wall or window. I see this quite often because it is intuitive. I mean, if you place the flag against a wall, the union, which is the blue, blue stars, is on the upper left. And then if you want to hang it vertically, you think you just rotate it. And then the union is on the upper right. Well, that's incorrect. The union should always be in the upper left, even when it's hanging vertically. The flag code says, when displayed either horizontally or vertically against a wall, the union should be uppermost and to the flag's own right, that is to the observer's left. When displayed in a window, the flag should be displayed in the same way with the union or blue field to the left of the observer in the street. The flag code also has numerous instructions and codicils for like if it's hanging on a street, if it's hanging in the foyer of a building, it goes into that. So if you have any questions, go to the flag code. So do you guys think, I never learned about the flag code in school. Do you think this is something that should be taught in public schools? That would be fine with me. Yeah, I think it's appropriate. It is such a potent symbol for our nation and what our nation stands for, although it's often misappropriated by political movements and political figures. I think more so than just about any other country I've come in contact with, we as Americans identify with the flag more strongly than other nations, other peoples identify with their flag. As part of an effort to sort of knit together a civic polity, I think it'd be appropriate. Yeah, because when I think about it, when we were in school, every morning, first thing was the Pledge of Allegiance. And we stood and, you know, hand on heart and recited it. It would have been helpful, maybe fourth or fifth grade, somewhere in there, to learn more about the flag. And I don't recall that happening. And then part of me wonders if we would even be permitted to do that today in public schools. Well, I certainly think that telling students about the U.S. flag code and maybe having them read it, at least that they know that it exists and it's available, it should be taught in schools. Yeah, I almost think it's the ethical thing to do, to learn and understand why you're standing and, you know, making that pledge. You can also tie it into the First Amendment and speech and expression. I feel like our education system has become so careful and mindful of what is, you know, allowed and politically correct or PC that we've moved away from, you know, some things that children should be learning and should know. I agree. Yeah, I agree also, Kelly. I think it it would help bind us together as a people. I mean, right now we see such deep, difficult 
damaging division in our country. The flag should be a force of unity, not a force of division. And so, you know, we're not a perfect nation, but I think we are notable in that we're always trying to become better. And so I, I don't see it as something that would cause a lot of controversy, although I never underestimate the ability of people to find a reason not to do something. That's right. right. But it's part of our history, and I think that we should learn about it and know about it. And certainly immigrants part of becoming citizens. They learn the Pledge of Allegiance and mm-hmm. basic information. Mm-hmm. You can always choose to handle things differently or object to certain things, but you should have that basic basis of knowledge. Yeah, and if you choose to do it differently, you're doing a choice that is not out of ignorance, but exactly out of artistic expression or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an, ed- an educated choice. Yeah. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the First Amendment and things like that in a minute, but let me just get to this last one, number 10. And I'm going to call on Mike here. Mike, I've noticed, you know, I just said that union should always be on the left. I've noticed that in military uniforms, there's a flag patch on the right shoulder and the union's on the upper right. Why is that? Yes. Good question, Marna. So the flag patch. Now, I was in the U.S. Army, so I'm, I'm this is may perhaps an army-centric question, but you know there's different places on the uniform for different items and insignia. So one reason the flag is worn on the right shoulder, and by the way, that decision was made in 2005 that it would be used on all U.S. Army uniforms. The Marine Corps does not wear it. Navy and Air Force, I think, do most of the time. But we wear it on the right shoulder because the left shoulder was already occupied by your unit identification patch. That's one reason. The other is similar to the way in which we display the flag and that the flag is always in the place of honor. And the right of the line, the rightmost person on a line, is the person highest ranking. So the flag takes that position. It is on the right of the line. Now, why it's reverse field is as a soldier or service member moves forward, imagine that instead of wearing the flag on the shoulder, the service member was carrying a flag on a pole. And as they move forward, the flag would be, the union would be next to the to the flagpole. So as you move forward, like think about all the movies you've seen where the cavalry or the infantry is charging forward, the flag is on a pole. If you're looking from the right side, that flag, the, the field is reversed. So like and, you're uh, moving forward. Yeah, always moving forward. Okay, that's pretty cool, pretty poetic. Yeah, I mean, there was some thought given to it, but it definitely was a change for those of us who were in the service in 2005. For one thing, we had one more thing to sew on the uniform, and then we began to wear Velcro patches, and it became much easier. Was that a good day when everything went to Velcro? <laughs> I'm sorry, hook and loop faster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, it was so many changes. Uniforms became much more functional, I think, at that time. It was mm-hmm. It was the Iraq and Afghanistan wars when we stopped shining boots and pressing yeah. uniforms. And and literally, I, I remember the first time I put on sort of the, the digital camo camouflaged uniform that you were not allowed to press. And we all felt like we were wearing pajamas. You know, <laughs> like everybody went to work in pajamas. Because You're fluffies. This, yeah, it was this entirely functional thing with Velcro patches and pockets everywhere. Well, this is just a little bit off topic from what we were just talking about. But Mike, you mentioned lapel pins mm-hmm. and how they're, they're supposed to be worn. Yeah, the U.S. flag lapel pin is worn on the left lapel closest to the heart, you know, which, oh, by the way, sort of contradicts the whole thing about always keeping the flag on the right. Yeah. Um, But in this case, 
closest to the heart, and then it is displayed with the normal field, not the reverse field. And reverse field is what we were just talking about, where the union's on the upper right. That's correct, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. On to the national anthem. I think it's worth mentioning what you're supposed to do during the national anthem. And the reason I think so is because I'm often at public events like sporting events. I was at a polo match once and the national anthem played and these people next to us continued eating, talking, laughing, smoking, joking. And one guy was even picking his teeth during the national anthem. (laughs) Might seem obvious, but let's go over what you should do when the national anthem is played. You stand, remove your cap, unless you're a woman and the hat is part of your outfit you know, Kentucky Derby. Face the flag. If there's no flag, face the music. Place your right hand over your heart and sing along if appropriate. Don't talk, eat, smoke, joke, laugh, carry on, or distract from the performance of the national anthem. And I told you I learned something every time we do this podcast. Veterans and current military members should give and hold a military salute during the anthem. This change occurred in 2008. So veterans and current military, but especially veterans, we we always just would put our hand over our heart. But in 2008, they changed it and said, you can hold a salute during the national anthem. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a big change because most people felt like if they were out of the service or they were not in uniform, they would not render the hand salute. Okay. Do you know what to do during the national anthem of another country, Mike or Kelly? Hmm. I think it depends on the country. <laughs> Sometimes this happens. I mean, you might be you you know you might be at some kind of thing where this happens. Like I once went to a White House ceremony where this happened. You know what? I'm do? a big fan of O Canada. It's one of my favorite. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm half Canadian, actually. You've never told us that, Marna. Yeah, my wow. mom was born in Canada. But I actually don't have any idea. Do you, Mike? I don't know. You do not render the courtesy given to the U.S. flag by a U.S. citizen. I I think you just stand in a respectful manner. That's what I would do. Yes, that's correct. Unless it's a country I don't like. Then what do you do, Kelly? (laughs) I need to think about it. Turn turn your back. (laughs) Take a drink, turn your back. Like if it's Iran or North Korea, I might think about it. But you can't go wrong if you be quiet, stand respectfully for the duration of the song. When the national anthem is played at sporting events, I will often see the athletes not standing still, but they'll be um, continuing their warm-up and and jumping and squatting and things like that. And I always thought if I were a coach, I would train my athletes to stand in a line and stand quietly and respectfully during the national anthem, because I think that looks so bad if they don't. All right, let's talk about permutations of the flag. Lately, I have seen a lot of these, uh, I think they're called the thin blue line flags. I saw one on a car yesterday, and it's basically a grayscale U.S. flag upon which is imposed a thin blue line. It's to represent law enforcement, and there is a question online about whether this flag violates the flag code. The flag code of the United States says, quote, the flag should never have placed on it or attached to it any mark, insignia, letter, word, number, figure, or drawing of any kind. So that's the rationale for saying it violates the flag code. I want to say I 100% support law enforcement, but I also think they need to reconsider this thin blue line flag and come up with their own original design that we can all rally around. I tend to be a traditionalist, and you guys probably have sensed this before, but the flag is the flag, and we have a flag code, 
and I wore that flag for many years of my uniform. I've taken that flag into battle. I've watched as many of my friends and students and fellow soldiers were buried with that flag draped over their coffin. I take it pretty seriously. And so when anybody appropriates the flag for whatever their purpose, and that may be a laudable, noble purpose, but if you appropriate the flag, its symbolism, its arrangement, its colors, I take issue with that. It's not just the law enforcement. It's, you know, there's the thin green line out there. There's all sorts of things. And I just, I see it on like vehicles stenciled in kind of a shadow format on the back window. Yeah, that's what I saw yesterday. Yeah, it just, it's not, I I find it wrong. I really do. Um, I have a very, I think, and I'm not trying to make this more important than anybody else's, but to me, the flag is, is a very potent and important symbol because of, you know, what I have done in the military in service to this nation under that flag. And so, yeah, I've got trouble with anybody who does that. And you know, Marna, this, today this has been very instructive for me because, you know, Kelly, your comment earlier, should we learn the flag code in school? Well, yeah, we probably should. I can't ever remember the flag code being explicitly trained while I was in the military, although we knew certain things like the display aspects of it because you couldn't display the flag wrong. You always had to get that right. It's been misused, I think. At some point, that'll come back to haunt us. That's how I feel, guys. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike, and I have no you know, military background. Um, But, you know, my grandparents were immigrants, and they loved this country. And they came here for a reason. And they never looked back. It certainly was inculcated in me how lucky we were to be here, and all the opportunities that would be provided to us, uh, because we're Americans. So I'm right there with you. The tricky part is we do want to change and evolve. We do want to be open to not stuck in tradition and doing things the same way all the time. But by the same token, we need to respect what the flag stands for. And then when you get into the Constitution and free speech, it's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. Um, But Mm -hmm. I do think it's very important that we respect what the flag stands for. And You know, when I was a litigator, I started with a federal clerkship. That was my first job out of law school. One of the things that the judge that I worked for taught me was respect for the court, period. Didn't matter who the judge was. It wasn't a matter of who the judge was. It was a matter of the court and respect for the system and what it stood for and the law. So he really kind of hammered that home to his clerks. And when I went out to practice law, he taught me it was very important, no matter whether I was in a juvenile and domestic relations court or whether I was presenting an argument to the Fourth Circuit, I needed to stand. Anytime the judge addressed me, it was important to stand up. And if the judge told me to sit down, I was to continue to stand and say, no, Your Honor, I'm standing out of respect for the court. Wow. So, you know, and that's very old fashioned, but he felt strongly about it. And really, I agreed with him. And I think part of it was what I saw and learned as a young lawyer. But I think the flag is the same exact thing. You need to respect what it stands for. So, Kelly, do you not agree with the thin blue line flag design? Yeah, I mean, I think it's problematic. I very much respect law enforcement and what they do for us because I think the vast majority of policemen and policewomen are good people who put their lives on the line every day. But I agree. Perhaps they should, you know, look for a, a different symbol. 
to represent what they do. Well, I agree with that approach. I think they should do that. I mean, no disrespect, but I think they should reconsider that flag. Yeah, I think you're right. I would expand that to talk about we we are so often confronted with the commercialization of the flag. The flag is used, or themes, motifs from the flag are used to sell things. I find that inappropriate. We've been through a very difficult political time here where the flag was deliberately and carefully used as a partisan political symbol. And uh, I don't know if you want to get into that, Marna, but post a Charlottesville rally of Unite the Right in August of 2017, if you look at that rally in Charlottesville, the flags on display were, there were very few American flags, or there were far fewer American flags. You know, there were all sorts of uh, white supremacy and, you know, right-leaning political group type flags. And there was a deliberate decision made on the organizers of that rally and such groups to appropriate the U.S. US flag after that event because they'd gotten such a bad rap for that thing. And so then in the last three, four years, you've seen the appropriation of the U.S. flag as a symbol, especially by the Trump campaign. It's just amazing in my neighborhood here, which is a very, my, my part of the country, which is a very right-leaning area, the number of flagpoles that went up and the number of U.S. flags that went up right beneath which was a Trump flag was stunning. But don't both parties use the flag? Oh, they do. But this, I think it's fair to say, Kelly, that this was a very concerted use of the flag in the last three, four years than we've seen in the past. It was definitely part of his brand. Well, it's because of his amazing military service. <laughs> I think uh, I think it really has to do with the fact that Trump was born on June 14th, which is what day, Marna? Flag day. There you go. Oh, I didn't I didn't know when he was born. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there he's a go. Gemini. How serendipitous. Yeah. Speaking of flag day. <laughs> The flag code recommends flying the flag on all days, but especially, and there's a long list here, I recommend taking a look, but I'll go over it real fast. Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Independence Day, New Year's Day, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Veterans Day, Vietnam War Veterans Day, Flag Day, Armed Forces Day, Korean War Veterans Armistice Day, Navy Day, Martin Luther King's Jr.'s Birthday, Lincoln's birthday, Washington's birthday, Columbus Day, Inauguration Day, Constitution Day, such other days as may be proclaimed by the President of the United States, the birthdays of states, and on state holidays. The Navy gets their own day. Everybody else is rolled into Armed Forces Day. (laughs) There goes the Navy again. Jeez. (laughs) Those Navy. (laughs) Special rules for them. Probably just fly it most every day. It sounds kind of complicated to keep track of all those days, Marna. Are you going to list them on the website? I will. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll post them in the show notes. I didn't even know there was a Constitution Day. You see, I learned so much with this podcast. Now, there is, and that is sort of a big day for lawyers. I can remember when I practiced law in Virginia, we would go into the local high school, and we had little mini constitutions, and we would often, like, address a class just like local like pocket size constitution yes yes and you saw that in some of the supreme court nominees uh not amy coney barrett she had not a note in front of her i think kavanaugh and ruth bader ginsburg a number of them had like a little pocket constitution or a little bit larger constitution that sometimes when asked questions and you could tell it was just worn you know they would turn to the amendment or the portion oh, really? of the Constitution. Wow. Yeah. 
One last thing that was in the U.S. flag code, which I thought was kind of interesting. When would you fly the flag upside down? Mike, you probably know this. Yeah, it's a symbol of distress. Again, appropriated for political purposes in the recent past, but a very, very serious symbol of distress. I mean, you are not supposed to do that, right, Mike, unless you are in serious trouble and you're trying to send that message. Mike, have you ever heard of an occasion when somebody did that? No, I haven't. And they were in great distress? The fort is under siege. Help. No, I haven't. I have never heard, you know, know, from personally, I've never seen it. I mean, it's out there in literature like mutiny on a ship. I mean, Mm -hmm. captain would run up the, the flag upside down. You know, before we close today, guys, I want to give a shout out to something which hasn't been mentioned today, but which maybe could solve a lot of people's troubles, and that is bunting. Okay, I'm a big fan of bunting. Right. The flag you code know? talks about bunting, too. I know. I know it does. Let's bring bunting into the uh, into the mix here. But Right. Bunting you is know. your friend. Not not baseball bunting? <laughs> not a bunting. No, not different a kind of bunting, bunting, Kelly. Advance the runner. That's no. No, I'm sort no. of being serious. Is I that's the only bunting that I'm aware of. So I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. Okay, so you know the the cloth decoration that's semicircular that you would hang on a railing, and it's it's represents the U.S. flag. So it's red, white, and blue, and um, you see it sometimes often. Sometimes it sometimes July it's on the front of desks and things. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that's it from the balcony. Appropriate. That's appropriate. And uh, mm-hmm. it is, you know, instead of using the U.S. flag as a decoration, bunting is the thing to use. It's kind of gone out of style. It used mm-hmm. to be something you saw a lot more of. You know, people would festoon their porches with bunting and things. But So let's, let's bring bunting back into the mix. It's real handy, and you don't run the risk of disrespecting the flag. It's, now that you've explained it, I know what it, what it is, and I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And decorative. Yeah. Um, I, some of my neighbors do it on July 4th, Memorial Day. All right. I have a question about disrespect. Last year, I got a T-shirt with the Betsy Ross flag on the front of it, which I wear often. Is that disrespecting? Is that in violation of the flag code? Technically, yes, because you should never use it in a garment or decoration. Well, I'll have to rethink that then. Yeah, yeah. I really like but it. But, you know, this is, this is what has ha- I mean... It's it's everywhere though. Again, it it helped. I mean, you bought that T-shirt. It helped with the the sales of that company. So it's a it's an easy thing to to glom onto. There's that huge safety valve, which is the First Amendment. I think that's another show. So we'll end here. All right. Great. Hey, let's keep this conversation going. Email us at inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. Visit our website ethicsandetiquette.com. We are on Instagram, at Ethics Etiquette, and we have a Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. Thanks for joining us today. New episodes of Ethics and Etiquette are published on the first and third Wednesday of every month. See you then.